Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, August 18th. We are here live. Today's going to go fast. We've only got one hour today. It's a free-for-all. Anything goes. You can ask me anything you want. We don't have any guests. Uh, pick up the phone and jump in. I really don't have a lot. I wanted to leave this hour open for your calls and questions. 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five is the number to join us. Jump in right now, and we will get started. Um, we've got a lot going on today. That's why I've got to uh, cut it off after this first hour. Uh, I am um, going to head out to hang out with the folks at Azure. Uh, I'm going to go out and see their facility, maybe the farm. I don't know exactly what. Uh, what we're doing, and we'll probably spend some time talking about uh, some projects we might be able to work on together. So I've got to, uh, I've got to take off after this first hour. So jump in now. Let's uh, let's knock out as many calls and questions as we can. Or if you have a topic, anything you want to talk about, uh, jump in. Uh, a couple things while we're waiting. Um, the I want to get this right. Uh, today's the last day of the Cardio Miracle sale. If you use Cardio Miracle, you absolutely want to get in and buy some right now uh, because you're getting, uh, actually, you're getting about $25 worth of free product is what you end up getting, which is really nice. You're going to use it. You might as well buy it now. So if you buy uh, either two nineties or three sixties, then you get uh, 15 single-count sticks. I love those when I travel. I take those with me when I travel. They're really convenient. Uh, so head on over to the store. I also want to thank everybody for the amazing response on the MyFAC kits, the first aid kits. Uh, fantastic response. I absolutely love that. Uh, that may become a pretty big project for us, the idea of getting um, a, a real trauma first aid kit in every truck would be uh would be pretty awesome certainly can't hurt uh, a little pr for the trucking industry wouldn't be bad and more importantly just um, how many lives could be saved when i saw the statistics of of um, how many people just bleed out and you don't have to know a whole lot i i saw somebody already asked about some training um, there's several options. One thing they mentioned was every product in the bag has a bark or a uh, QR code. And if you scan the QR code, it tells you how to use it. That's pretty awesome. That's a nice quick way. I think they're all videos. Um, and we may be doing some additional training for drivers. We have some ideas on that as well. So, and I felt the same way. What good is all this stuff? If I don't know how to use it. Um, surprisingly, some of the most important things are really pretty simple to use. That many people dying from bleeding out is just, that can easily be fixed. You don't have to know a whole lot. There are a couple techniques, fairly simple to learn, that could save somebody's life when they're bleeding. So we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about that more as well. Uh, calls are starting to come in. What else did I want to get to? This was kind of interesting. I didn't really see this coming, but uh, Estes, uh, another big LTL carrier, has made an offer 
to buy all of Yellow's real estate and terminals for $1.3 billion. Boy, that's a bold move. Um, that's big. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I, I thought it would end up being parceled out. I didn't know, really didn't expect somebody to come in and make one offer like this. That's, uh, that's a pretty big bite for Estes. But it might, uh, might be really smart on their part. Uh, on Monday, coming up this Monday. No, it's not this Monday. Yeah, it is. Oh, I can't believe how fast this month is going. Uh, it is the 21st. Um, the founder of Brokers Edge and 360 Freight Solutions uh, and Laura Miles, uh, Jason Bauck, is uh, going to be joining us on Monday. Now, we had Jason on one of our spaces um, a week or so ago. And unfortunately, we had all kinds of weird technical issues. I think Jason was trying to do it from his laptop and um, spaces just does not work well. It's really made for the phone. So we had a we had a hard time communicating, but we could see there was some real potential there. Uh, so we want to get Jason back with us. Um, Jason's story is kind of similar to mine, except on the broker side of things. Started off as a broker, learned a lot of things, developed some systems, and then started training other people to do that as well. Still runs a uh, good-sized brokerage, though. So, uh, and, and he's got some interesting software that uh, isn't out yet, so we could be talking about that on Monday as well. Uh, what else do we have going on? Uh, Jump in and join us. This hour is going to go quick. So if you've got a question, a comment, a topic, anything you want to talk about, 855-950-3835. Line them up and uh, we'll start knocking them down. I said this week I was going to go out and uh, practice wing foiling until I get it. And I'm still committed to that. But we have had some really weird wind days. I've said I'm, I'm going to go out no matter what the wind is. If there's no wind and no real chance of wind, not a not a lot of point in getting out there. There's not enough I could work on right now. Like I said, my, my board skills, I, I'm to the point where I can stand on the board. I can move around on the board just floating in the water. That's um, that's about as good as I'm going to get on that. I really need uh, time on the foil. And in order to do that, you've got to have wind. So yesterday it just died. I mean, nothing. Just went to under five miles an hour. Today it looks a lot more active already this morning. So uh, when I head out to Azure, they're out in that direction. So I'll just take all my equipment with me. And uh, maybe I'll get a couple runs in this afternoon. I, I feel like I'm getting closer. What, what I've discovered is, you know, I keep hoping for this big breakthrough. Like I'm just going to get up on the foil and just start riding it. And that's not going to happen. It, it's just tiny little changes. I talked about that yesterday. And it's, and it's even weird because you're not really sure what you're learning. Like each time I get up on the foil, I get a little farther, but I'm not really sure how or what I'm learning. So, um, and I'm also getting in a little better physical condition for this. You know, you use certain muscles and um, you tend to get tired out. And um, what day was it? Wednesday, I guess, when I was out there, I had one of those days. My very first run of the day was my best. I was nice and fresh and 
then I, it, you start to deteriorate a little bit. Then towards the end of the day, I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to go make one more run. And I was just so tired. Um, it's not worth it. That's also when I know you're much more likely to get hurt. So I, I pushed pretty hard. I'm hoping when I go out, if I get out today um, or this weekend, that it, it will be the same way. I've gotten a little bit stronger, gotten a little bit better. I, I'm really close. I know I'm really close to just kind of getting up and starting to ride the foil. And then it will be just a matter of time. Uh, but that that will be much more fun time. This time I've put in so far has not been fun at all. It's very repetitive. Uh, it's very tiring. Um, every run ends in a crash. And after a while, the crashes get to be um, a little brutal. I'm, I'm pretty beat up this week. But I'm hoping I'm almost there. Hoping this weekend is kind of what pushes me over the top and the time you can spend on the foil practicing is a lot easier it, it's not as physically demanding it's a lot more fun so i'm really hoping i'm close to that point let's uh let's get to some phone calls they are starting to come in so jump in and join us uh we only have uh about 50 minutes right now nine o'clock my time i gotta jump out of here and head on out to uh Azure to hang out with those guys. Let's go to Texas to get started. Andrew, welcome. Good morning, Maha Russia of the trucking world. What's on your mind this morning? And, uh, well, I've got four things. So uh, a few things. One, I want to thank you uh, for two things. One, getting me into the trucking world. I'm 53 years old. Last year, about this time, you took a call from somebody who had was overanalyzing it. It sounded like, you know, could I get into the business? Could I get out of the business? And you basically told him to get off his ass and uh, do it. And I don't know if that person got into the trucking business or not, but I did. I listened to you. And uh, my VA VA counselor told me the exact same thing. One of the reasons I like going to the VA is because they'll look at you and go and use some colorful language and tell you to get off your butt. Yeah. And they paid for it, I, and I got my CDL on October the 26th, and my first job on the 14th of November. Well, congratulations, and, and thank you for your service. Thank you, well, thank you very much for that. And uh, I'm currently a, a dirt hauler. I got a belly dump on right now. So nice. if I get a little uh, shaky in the voice, because I'm bouncing down a dirt road right now. <laughs> Coming off <laughs> there the you pit. go. Uh, you do it. Uh, but I uh, also want to thank you as well. Um, uh, uh, April the 20th of last year, and I called you right after this, I had what my doctor called my first heart attack. Oh, yeah. Um, and, um, well, about eight, middle of April this year, I had my second heart attack. And okay. I've got now two stents in my heart. And I am fully committed on the whole carnal, uh, your diet program, uh, your eating eating ways. Um, in fact, I just got finished spending about three hundred dollars on um, product off of your store this morning. Well, uh, thank got you the for cardio, the support. The cardio Magic. Yeah, the Cardio Miracle. Uh, I think Good the job. Cardio Magic. Yeah. Yes, I got that one, and uh, I got the uh, oh uh, the, uh, the the coffee kit, uh, and I've been. Doing light balance for uh, 
quite, uh, for a couple of years. I'm just now getting back on it. I got off the program and it, I got hurt. That's what happens. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, I, I want to comment on something, though. Don't you love the way that doctors kind of tell us what to expect? You, you just had your first heart attack. Yeah. Well, that's assuming you're going to yeah. have more. Isn't that crazy? They know that their system yeah. doesn't work. They know if you follow yep. their advice, you're, this is only your first heart attack. You'll have more. What a horrible system. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I am this. I got my blood work done yesterday. I, I don't know the results on it yet with the VA. I go see them on the end of this month. And right now I'm on seven prescriptions. And I'm starting with a new. That's a big bump. Sorry. Um, I'm starting with a new. VA doctor, uh, new program on the 30th of this month. And uh, when I see the person, my first question is going to be, well, after I thank them, uh, it's okay. By the end of this year, I want to be off all my medications. What do I need yeah. to do? Yeah, so that... Uh, that's. I'm glad you're taking control here because that's what you're going to have to do over and over and over and over because their, their approach is the opposite of what you're asking for. Their approach is it's always another prescription and then another prescription and then another. So you have to constantly remind them that your goal is to get off of these things. Now, now here's what I can tell you, though. He's not going to have any advice on how you should do that. And, and if he does have advice, no, it will I'm be wrong. I'm following your advice with that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah they, I'm following they your advice on all that. They don't know how to get people off of prescriptions. They've never been taught that. That, that's, that goes against everything they've been taught. Well, I'm, I've, I've been listening to you about that, and my approach is going to be, what are my numbers need to be for you to take this medication away? Um, and well, let me let me let me give you one. Let me let Let me give you one area where that's absolutely not going to work, or where it could work, but you don't want it to work. You know, if if it, that would work with blood sugar, what what number should I get my blood sugar down so I can come off the metformin? That works fine. What number should my blood pressure I'm not be? On so I'm actually well, allergic to that. Okay. Well, what? It, just I'm just using examples like for high blood pressure. Okay. What what number does my blood pressure yeah. have to be so I come off of lisinopril? Um, those that works right. there. Here's one area where where you don't want to take their advice about this. If you ask them what number do I have to achieve to come off of my statins, then they're going to give you numbers and you do not want to get to those numbers. You just want to tell them, no, I'm, I'm, not ta- yeah. I'm not taking your damn statin. No, don't stay on it. Right, and I'm they're, on one of them damn things. They're not necessary. They don't do anything for our health other than destroy it. And the numbers they want you to get to are unhealthy. We don't want low cholesterol numbers. Right. Well, I'm going to get my cholesterol numbers from this blood test I took yesterday. Um, when you get them, just throw and, them away uh, and ignore them. Right. Well, the blood sugars and all that. I'm gonna. I've, I've also asked them to check my vitamin D level, and uh, and so because I'm I've been on a vitamin D drop. I've been getting from your store. Good. Um. And uh, so I'm gonna see what that level is. Make sure all that's in, in good numbers. Yep. Um. The other goal this this year is I had my uh, cataract surgery done on one eye at the last of June. 
oh my god, I cannot tell you how much better I, I, I could see stuff. I, I've already saw too much I didn't understand. Now I see a whole bunch more stuff I don't understand. Um, and uh, my second one comes up in about two weeks, three weeks. I'm going to get the other eye done. So for the first time, I'm 53. Uh, since I was 14, I won't need glasses. Um, so I'm going to, that, that's part of my health goal this year is no glasses, no prescriptions. And, um, and get, and I'm down, I've maintained in two years, I've maintained an 80 pound weight loss. Uh, I'm currently at 300. And my, when I graduated Marine Corps boot camp in 19, February 2nd, 1990, I was 235, 30 pounds. Got and it. that is my goal to get to by February 2nd of next year. That's just my, I want to be at that 230 pounds. And, and I love your diet plan. Uh, Excellent. Because it is, it is eat fat, lose weight. I love that. You can't beat that. I mean, that's just. <laughs> I know. I know. But anyway, and but so I wanted to thank you for both of those. Basically, get off my whatever and um, get better, you know, be a truck, you know, do what I've always wanted to do. Excellent. And I'm sitting in, a, in, a, I'm sitting in an 06 Sterling. Uh, so they don't even make this thing anymore, but we're rattling down the road with it. Which brings me to my other point. I have talked to drivers who have been driving for 25 or 30 years. And I don't know if they're telling me the truth or not, but they've told me they've never been pulled over. Uh, no roadside inspections at all. Now, I don't know if they're telling me the truth about that or not, but in my very short experience, um, I have been pulled over a total of four inspections, roadside inspections, three this month and two last week. So let me address and that. Is it possible for somebody to go that long without a roadside inspection? It, it is. Is it common? No, it's probably it's not all that common. But I, I can think of a, a time period, probably 10 years, that I didn't get a road. The last 10 years I drove and had my trucks at FedEx, I can't remember a single roadside inspection. So I, I went a pretty long period in the beginning when I was running over the road. I had, you know, a couple here and there. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily call somebody a liar. It's possible. Um, here's what I think might be happening. You said you're pulling a belly dump. You're pretty local, right? I'm a local, yeah. yeah and you're, I've you're, got pulled over within you're much, the last two much three more, miles of each other. You're much, much more likely to get those kind of inspections in an operation like that. I, I, when I lived in Colorado, I did a ride along with uh, a state trooper. And in Colorado, the state troopers are also basically uh, DOT enforcement, uh, commercial vehicle enforcement. That's what they are in Texas. As well. Yeah, so I, I rode along with one of those guys. And I, I was thinking we're going to be pulling over, you know, semis all day long and over the road trucks. And we did a couple of those, but we spent a whole lot more time pulling over people like you, the, the aggregate business, the sand and gravel haulers, and all the way down to, you know, dually pickup trucks pulling, um, you know, front end loaders around and things like that. And a bunch of those guys don't even have DOT numbers on their trucks. And I, I was shocked at how much local enforcement we did that day, much more than over the road stuff. So being local, you're much more likely to get caught up in that kind of inspection 
Well, I'm wondering if I'm on a target list no. someplace. No. Because one guy pulled me over on Saturday, and I was on a dirt road. I had come off the main road, was on a dirt road, headed to the dirt pit. And that's where he pulled me over is on the dirt road, state trooper. Yeah, so. And he says, yeah, I've been working all day, and you're the first truck I've seen today, so that's why I'm, uh, I'm doing an inspection on you. Well, and the, I looked up at the main road. I counted five, five semis going down the road right then. Maybe, <laughs> like I said, maybe he's looking for those local aggregate haulers, which they tend to push weights. Their equipment isn't always up to par. Um, that's kind of the low-hanging fruit for those guys. I, I doubt that you, yeah. in particular, on any kind of list, is there a company name on your truck somewhere? Yeah, yeah and there's, a, there's a company name on the top. So, of the truck, so yeah. it's very possible that that company is a target. The local, and this goes back to that local thing again. The local cops that patrol that area are familiar with all of the trucking companies, and they know some of them just have different standards, lower standards. They know that if they pull one of these trucks over, they're more likely to get a violation. So that could be. Now, I, you personally do yeah, not have a target on you, but that company might. Uh, yeah, I think it does. The, uh, now, the, this truck, we're bouncing it down uh, uh, dirt roads. We're on construction sites. We're not on smooth road all the time. So something getting shook loose, like a wire getting shook it's, loose from a clearance light, right. yeah, that does happen. I, I do, a, I do a, oh, my pre-trip, I do it twice a day. I do it yeah. you know, in the morning, and I do it also at lunch. Yeah. And then I do my post-trip. I'm big on trying Good. to catch all that. Good. And uh, one, the truck was off. We turned, so we turned the truck off and then get out, and he had his head stuck around the engine someplace looking for something. And when I got out of the truck, the airbags on the cab, you know, they adjusted. Like, well, I'm 300 pounds, so I, I tend to move stuff around when I move around in the cab. And, uh, yeah, so he heard that. He goes, oh, you got an air leak under that cab someplace. And wrote, now, everything has been a warning ticket. But still, I was like, I'm thinking to myself, really? I didn't say anything. I did not say I really wanted to. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Uh, but I was like, oh, give me a break. But, yeah, that you know, stuff like that happens. I'm just, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've come off of being a rookie, and I've been listening to you. I've been driving. I've been practicing my backing and my driving skills and everything else. So Good. I think I've now graduated to, ed to educated idiot. But that's uh, what I'm at now. But I'm All getting right. there. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Well, keep, thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for the call and the support. Keep calling in. We'll uh, we'll keep working on it. Let's go to Illinois. Alfred, welcome to the program. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Kevin. I called in because I had a question about gliders. Okay. Are you familiar with the gliders? I am. These gliders, I, they, uh, Hold on. I am very, very familiar with gliders. I, I'll go back, give you the history. Sometime around 08, 09. Now, I, I'll go back yeah. and, and talk about gliders when I first got into the business back in the 80s. You could almost always find a glider sitting at most big dealers, either being built or sitting there waiting to be built. They were used primarily for rollovers. If you had a truck that rolled over, the cab was destroyed, yank the driveline out of it, put it into a glider and keep going. That, that was all we really used gliders for. Each dealer that 
built that glider only built a couple of them a year, and it was usually different models. So they never really got very good at this. And building a glider, is it's a pretty big job. I mean, it, there's a lot that you can do wrong. And gliders had a horrible reputation. You did not want to buy a glider back then. You, you did it because you rolled over your truck and you had this drive line, so you built a glider. Nobody wanted to buy them because they usually just weren't built all that well. So around 2008 or so, I get a call on the show, and they said, have you heard of Fitzgerald? And I said, no, why? And they said, well, they're, yes, they're, build, that, yeah. they're building a lot of gliders. And I said, oh, exactly. okay. well, now the reason to build a glider was totally different. Now, this was during the time where we did not want these emission engines. We hated these things. We couldn't figure out how to keep them running right. We couldn't figure out how to get good fuel mileage out of them. So instead, we said, why buy a new truck with this technology that doesn't seem to work very well? Let's just build gliders with these older engines that we do know really well. So I reached out to uh, Fitzgerald. And we had a partnership for a while. In fact, I started a business with Robert Fitzgerald, one of the sons. Uh, we had a truck oh. shop. We had a truck shop for a while in Tennessee. Uh, we were going to focus on fuel mileage and preventative maintenance and, and upgrades and things like that. Um, unfortunately, his role in the family business kind of got in the way and um, it didn't work out. Uh, so very, very, but I worked with them for four or five, maybe even a little more than that, six years. We sold a lot of gliders, built and sold. We, we, built, uh, yeah. we built a couple of them as what we called signature gliders, where we put all of our fuel mileage technology. Uh, the first one we built oh. in 09, I think it was, um, we built a truck that was getting nine miles to the gallon, pulling 80,000 pounds in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. So, yes, I'm very, very familiar well, with gliders. Uh, well, I just found out about it. I was thinking of totally something different. And then when I was talking to this dealer in Illinois, and that's the thing, they, they specialize in gliders. And I didn't really know what he was talking about. So... <laughs> He sent me a link to go to his website, and then I started looking at it. All his gliders are already completed and DOT inspected and ready to be sold. Well, technically... So I had to do further study, and I wanted to find out what are gliders. So I went online and got a guy, and he told me about Fitzgerald, and then he said, but... The, the, the government came in and said in 2016 that these these guys can no longer be doing this and that this was supposed to kick in by 2021. And he told me no more of these uh, truck dealers, manufacturers, were giving their gliders over Correct. to They're anyone like right. Victor or anybody Glider, else. Gliders are gone. Yeah, so I want to know if you knew about these laws. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we followed this very, very closely when it was happening. Um, I tried to fight against it. I didn't want it to happen, but it did. And it put Fitzgerald out of business. I mean, they, they were building uh, thousands yeah. of gliders a year, and then they had to stop. Yeah. 
The government they blew just up. yeah, I the, know. the government just said no more. Um, fortunately, they were smart business people. They bought a couple Peterbilt dealerships while they were making the money building gliders. Uh, so it worked out okay for them. But, yeah, you, you just can't build gliders anymore. There are plenty of them out on the market still, but they're only going to last for so long. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're not building well, any new ones. That's why I called in, because I want to know if I had bought a glider, how long are they, they going to force the, me the, to? I, I can't say for sure. We can look historically. Historically, the federal government has never, ever forced a truck off the road, ever. Uh, as far as the federal government is concerned, you can still drive a 1959 Brockway if you want, and there's no problem with that. There's one state where it would be an issue, and that's California. But, but other than California? that, the federal government has no restrictions against older trucks or non-emission trucks. We can keep them as long as we can keep them running. So gliders are going to be the same way. Okay. They're, they're, they're not going to come in and say, you can't use that glider on the roads anymore. That's just, That's just not going to happen. That's what I want to be sure. Because they got some good deals at this place. And there, they really want to sell them. They marked them down. There's one. Uh, I understand that, they were really expensive. But now they're very reasonable. Well, Okay, do you know why they were really expensive and why they're very reasonable now? I did not know that. Okay, it has nothing to do with them being a glider. So let's just start there. Okay. That, that has nothing to do with anything. Every truck on the market has lost over 50% of its value from where it was last year. Oh, okay. That's across the the board. It has nothing to do with the fact that this is a glider. Okay, okay. Yeah, because they they, put in new engines in some of these. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Be careful how you say that. They're not new engines. They're rebuilt engines. Okay, thank you. There's there's a difference there. And that's part of the thing you have to be aware of. These gliders became so popular, and there were a couple of companies. Fitzgerald was one. Um, There's another dealer in the Midwest. I'm trying to remember their name. I worked with them. They had a couple dealerships. They were big into gliders. I'm just not remembering the dealer name right now. And what was happening is we were running out of old engine blocks to build. And the Series 60 Detroit by far was the most popular engine to that's put into a glider. That's the one I was looking at. That's the, the one they had. The problem is many of those towards the end, we were building blocks that should not have been rebuilt. They were, they were too worn out. They had problems. There, that was one issue. The block should not have been rebuilt, and they did it anyway. The other problem is they were running out of parts, and they started to mix and match parts from different engine models. Like the Series 60, there's actually six or seven different models across the years, and the parts would fit but not work properly. So we would get these trucks that they were getting really poor fuel economy and people would come to us and say, help us with this. Why is this truck getting such poor fuel economy? And we went through everything. We couldn't figure it out. 
And then we finally figured out these engines weren't built right. And at that point, there's okay. nothing you can do about it other than rebuild the uh, engine with all the right parts. And you're looking at $30,000 now to do that. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be Even careful being, uh... when you buy these. You've got to do your homework. You've got to really dig deep. I, I, I would have no problem buying a glider today. I, I w- in fact, I probably would buy a glider today if I were to start a trucking company again. I would buy some gliders. I like them a lot. But you do have to be careful. The, the gliders that are out there that were built in those last two or three years, there's some, some gliders that just should have never been built. All right. Well, my question is, uh, this dealer, he provides a warranty and he also has a DOT inspected. Hold on, stop. Hold on a second. A DOT inspection. Come on, that, that's almost a joke. Really, that is meaningless when, it, when we're buying a truck. Oh, okay. The things we need to be looking for are not things that they really look for on a DOT. I mean, that's obvious stuff. I mean, that's a violation. Okay, Okay, Okay. we have to fix that before we put it on the road. But that DOT inspection does nothing, zero, to tell you whether or not this is a truck you should buy. Now, let's talk about a warrant. What about the warrant? What if if you show up one day and this truck is getting four and a half miles to the gallon and we keep going through a certain part, it just keeps breaking, and and you say, well, what are you going to do? Well, nothing. We fixed it. Well, no, you didn't. It's still getting four and a half miles to the gallon. It's got a horrible miss in it. Well, we don't know. Yeah. And what do you do if they just say, no, we're not going to fix it? Yeah. Warranties in my book are almost meaningless. If I have one, great, but that is never a reason for me to buy a truck. Explain what the warranty is to me. What what is their warranty? No, I'm asking you. Explain to me. What is their warranty? Oh, I don't know all of the warranty. I didn't read their warranty, but in their caption, when I was going over their web, website, this is the, the two things they, you know, had in big, bold letters. Warranty and DOT oh, in, in oh, fact. Okay, so what if the warranty is just 30 days, if anything breaks, we'll fix it? What if that's yeah. all it is? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, well. So we need to know what it covers. Yeah, but I would just say forget it because it's not even important. I don't care what they cover on the warranty. It's not going to make me buy this truck. So because it's a uh, 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 60 series, it's a 60 series, there's a red flag. Now, what are the questions I should ask them concerning this uh, do you have the right parts on it, I suppose? They're not the going to know. Or did you mix and match on they're, it? They're not going to know. They won't even know what you're talking about. They will tell you, if you say, well, I talked to this guy on the radio, and, and, and they'll be like, uh, he, no, don't worry about that. That's not. They don't understand this. They of have course. no idea how yeah. whether that engine should have been rebuilt or not. I couldn't tell you. I can't walk up to the yeah. truck and look at it and tell you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He told me that uh, the engines may not match the make of the, uh, of the body. 
Wait, 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 wait. It could be DD-15. It could be a Detroit. No, stop, stop, stop. No, that's not true. And what he's saying doesn't even make sense. What does he mean the engine might not match the make? What does that mean? Because they swap. They swap but, but, but hold on. Hold on. And, wait, and hold, it may hold, not be the same one hold, that was in there. Well, wait a minute. If it was a glider, there was never an engine in there. You're putting an engine in there. Exactly. I, yeah. Well, wait, don't that, say that exactly. I, what he said didn't make sense. You're not replacing an engine. There was no engine. That's what made it a glider. It has no engine. So when he says it doesn't match the make or it might not be the same, the same as what? There was, this isn't a glider if it used to have an engine in it. We put a different engine in it. That's not a glider. Yeah, that's just my poor understanding about, like I said, I had to go and find out later. So when when we say the engine doesn't match the make, well, if if you're buying a Kenworth, you could have a Cummins or a Packard engine in it. That we don't engines match the body. Uh, correct, Sometimes and I'm telling you that, might, that it might be a Peterbilt. Right, but you could have multiple engines in Peterbilts. You can have multiple engines in Kenworths. You can have multiple engines in Freightliners. The engine has never matched the body. We had choices on what engine we could put in one truck when we bought them brand new. So again, his explanation tells me really doesn't understand what he's saying or what he's talking about. Well, it was just me. I didn't understand. Because when I look at a pack car, that body could have, it doesn't have to have a pack car in that particular body. It could have another engine. Well, but like that was said. but that was true of a new truck too. That's been true of every truck we've yeah, ever built. Yeah, now it's changing. Yeah, it's been changing over the last yeah. decade. Now, when you buy a Volvo truck, you're going to get a Volvo engine. When you buy a Mack truck, you're going to get a Mack engine. When you buy a Freightliner, you're going yeah, to get a Detroit because Freightliner owns Detroit. With, he mentioned that specifically with Volvo. Volvo is no different. But with the other ones, Peterbilt, uh, Cascadia, you can have different types of engines found in this. So, so I understand it, Right. So when he says that, again, his understanding of gliders is a little shaky, I think. Um, but uh, uh, It's his understanding of how much I understood. Because when I first talked to him, I did not understand the gliders. Like I said, but maybe he thought I did because I'm a, a driver of truck. But actually, I found out about this place from another dealer. I called one dealer looking for a particular uh, is this you is, know, tractor. Is the dealer and named? He said he didn't have that, and he said is this Harrison's? This other place. I no, it's uh, it's called uh, I two ninety four truck sales. And they specialize in gliders. But I didn't know that until I talked to the guy. And I was referred to him by another dealer. So I know nothing about this. So, yeah, this. you know about it. I didn't know. I know nothing about this particular deal dealer, but I'm always very, very careful yeah. on smaller 
truck sales like this not part of a bigger dealership? Some of them can be fantastic. Many of them are kind of fly-by-night. I would be just very, very careful that you do your homework on these trucks. And buying a glider is more difficult than buying it. That doesn't mean anything. Bernie Madoff was around a long time, and he ripped off an awful lot of people. Oh, okay. So, so don't yeah. don't think right. just because well, they've been here okay. a long time, every truck I buy from them is going to be good. It's not. It's your responsibility to do yeah. the homework on that truck. And and I, I'm almost going to tell you, you should probably stay away from gliders. I don't think you have the knowledge to be buying one. Yeah. Well, that's why I called. I did a little research. I heard one guy, and but he didn't tell me about the uh, the laws that come about so but you did explain that if i was to buy a glider then it'll be okay see see again uh, i'm, I'm going to go back to you should probably not buy a glider because all you really want to hear from me is that it is okay for you to buy a glider uh, the only thing i was answering was no oh, no stop stop you you need to listen more than you talk right now you, you called me for advice. I'm trying to give you advice. Yeah. So I, I, I've been doing this a long, long time, giving people advice. I hear things. I can read between the lines. What I'm hearing from you is really you're, you want me to say, if you buy a glider, you're always going to be able to drive it on the road. I, I'll say that. I don't worry about that. That is not the issue. But you keep coming back to that. Okay. The issue is you yeah. you issue is buying a used itself. truck is difficult. You you have to know how to do it right. Buying a used glider is even more difficult. There's more risk. It may not have been built properly. Okay. I want to know who built it. We may have used an engine block yeah. that wasn't rebuildable. We may have mixed and matched parts, and I can't figure. Th- I, I can look at some clues. If I do a rig dig, I pull the ECM report, I can probably figure it out. But you can't. Okay. Well, I've heard you talk about rig digs in these sites before, if you want to do a, you know about an engine. But I still have to get the information. I got to get a VIN number. I got to get... So, yeah, there's a lot of work that I still have to do if I was going to look at it. But that's good because they're local. You see, I can go there and I can get all the information and, and do that. So I got time. I'm not rushing into buying a vehicle. I'm in the stages of looking and checking. So, yes, you're still reinforcing the things that you always reinforce. So I take that in consideration. I know I got to do the work, like you always say. If, the hard work. if you are planning on continuing to look at gliders, here's I'll give you the process on how you should do it. You should run a rig dig and look for a reason not to buy it. If you find anything in the rig dig that looks shaky, okay, yes, just right. move on to the next vehicle. After that, if everything else looks good on the rig dig, we need a full ECM report. Okay. If you get those two things and you send them to me and call me, I'll help you review each truck that you're looking at. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. I got to go now because I'm coming up to my load. All right. We'll look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Let's... uh, 
Let's go to Missouri. I got to knock out some calls here. I'm going to turn off the phones. Brandy, welcome. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I'll get uh, scales here in Iowa, but hopefully you don't think too much of that. All right. I, I'm curious about um, uh, um, when you were when the the medevac thing. Is there a liability on on that? What do you mean? Well, I've seen stories in um, EDL Life, the app, and stories that come there in the Truckers News that somebody rescued somebody that was maybe overturned in a car, and they, when they got them out of the car, they hurt their back, and then maybe the family sued them or something like that. And thinking, well, if you were to do something with this medevac thing and you didn't know exactly what you were doing, and then the patient can turn around, the family can turn around and want to basically make you viable for their injury. So here, it was, that's what was here's the mind. only way I could approach this. If that is a real concern for you, then I would say probably don't do it. For me, I, I, I don't even well, think about that. Well, well, then why are we talking about it? If, if you've already because thought just, it, th- well, hold on. If, you, if you've already thought it through and decided that wouldn't stop me, well, then we don't need to talk about it. That's, and that's what I'm trying to tell you. That I've already made that decision. I don't care what might happen in court later. If I'm in a position and I think I could save somebody's life and there's nobody else around, I, I'm just going to do it. I probably would, too. I just think... See, you know, this is similar to when people ask me, they know that I I carry when I'm in my coach traveling and they ask me, well, well, do you know what all the laws are in each state and each city? No, I don't. And I don't want to know. Do you know why? Because I'm going to break them anyway. So why do I care what they are? I've made the decision. I will have that weapon with me, whether I'm going into downtown New York City or D.C. or Chicago or wherever. I'm going to carry it. I'll deal with the consequences later if I have to. Hopefully I never have to. But I I don't even want to know what the laws are. Why would it matter to me? I'm going to break them. The same thing here. I I don't want to know when I might be liable trying to help somebody or when. I I don't care because if I can help somebody, I'm going to help them. We'll deal with the consequences later. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so I have some other really short odds uh, in. Are walnuts an oxalate? I used to be really like almonds, uh, and then I kidney stones, more or less. So. Uh, virtually all Changed nuts are going to. Virtually all nuts are going to have some oxalates. Walnuts might be one of the lowest, if I remember right. Okay. And. Um, listening to yesterday's show, uh, have you heard that YouTube now is going to be governed, I think with the, the vaccine, that the, the WHO is going to basically determine whether YouTube will put that on YouTube or not. Have you heard that? Um, I, I don't know if I specifically heard it was the WHO, but I don't trust YouTube at all. YouTube's been one of the worst offenders when it comes to censoring. So I'm not surprised. And again, if it is the WHO, okay, great. Doesn't doesn't really matter because I don't trust YouTube. Uh, we we use it, but barely. And mostly, I use it so I can get my video off there and post it someplace else. Um, and if they started deleting our videos, they really haven't yet. We're not that active on their 
but if they did, I'd go to Rumble or some other site to post them. I think that's it. There was another thing, but my brain's not allowing me to have it. So. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Missouri this time. Tyler, welcome. Hey, Kevin. What's going on today, man? How you doing? Good. What can I help you with? Hey, Kevin. My name's Tyler. I'm uh, 30 years old, first-time caller. Real excited to talk to you, man. I uh, I just bought a Century 06 with an A-cert in it. Um, I called Pittsburgh Power, talked to them about uh, maybe getting a tune put on this thing over in Effingham, Illinois. I took an oil sample last night. Um, I guess my question for you is what are your thoughts on putting the single turbo conversion on these motors? That that. No, don't do and it. it. May be, that, hold on. You do realize that that's illegal, right? The single turbo conversion? No, I did not. Yes. Anything that modifies the emission system is illegal. And the twin turbos are part of the emission system. Understood, sir. So that that's, that's similar to what, when you hear us talking about deletes on engines, when they're deleting... EGR systems and they're deleting DPF and ACERT is just a different, I mean, it's basically EGR internally. Um, but anything we do to modify the emissions on that engine is illegal and it's not a good idea. Um, now I will tell you the tune I've got a, uh, I've got an 07 ACERT and Pittsburgh power did the tune on mine is pretty incredible. I mean, I've got some crazy hot, high horsepower tune. We did it just for the fun of it. And I'm about to turn it back down to something a little more reasonable, but, um, it's a really good tune. They can do a lot with that engine. Yeah, man. I've, but don't, I've, don't I've start deleting it. Yeah. Don't start deleting things. Understood, sir. I've listened to you for a long time. Talk, talk about that coach. It sounds pretty cool. Um, other than that, Kevin, my next thing, this oil sample, uh, I have the sample with me, took it last night when I serviced. Um, I, as far as getting the results to you, do I need to send this through? I think TA uses uh, Mobile Express or something. I've heard you talk about Polaris. Um, your opinion, who, you know, I can, I can drop this thing off at Fabic Cat in St. Louis on the way home and then send you the results. What's your opinion on who, the best place to send it, Kevin? Well, we work with Polaris Labs. We have for years and way back when, when we started, and I'm going all the way back to the 90s when I started doing oil analysis, um, we just looked at all the labs around the country and settled on Polaris. They had multiple locations. They were well-trained. They had good equipment. We checked their results. They were always accurate. Their customer service was great. They had training. So we've just been with Polaris for years. Uh, there are some labs that I, I would stay away from. There are some labs that don't have the right equipment to check fuel dilution properly. There are some other labs out there that are just fine. Um, cat samples are usually just fine. Uh, Blackstone. Polaris is just who we chose to work with. So that's always my first choice. Um, one, because I really can, you know, I know their oil samples inside and out. Um, they check all the things we want to check. We know their numbers are accurate. So that would always be my first choice. Not to say it's the only good lab out there, though. Understood, sir. Well, I'll probably just drop it off with Fabic on the way into the house today, or uh, or Monday, rather. And uh, I guess send you the results, man. Yeah, yeah, we can go over them. 
All right, Kevin, I appreciate your time. Super excited to talk to you. Long-time listener, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. We love it. All right. Thanks for the support. Great to have you here. Let's go to Wisconsin. Dave, welcome. Hey, Kevin. How are you this morning? Good. What's on your mind? Sorry, I, I got a electric APU on this new Volvo I bought. Okay. Uh, my, quest, my question is, well, actually, I got a max maximal start module on my old glider. I want to transfer it over to the Volvo. Okay. The question is: Is there anything that would would is there anything special because of all the electrical stuff on this Volvo now? You know, I took it off my glider. There's very little electrical. <laughs> um, so I wonder if there's anything I got to look out for to hook that up. No, it, 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 the install is still the same because if the install is done right, we've isolated the start module from all of that stuff anyway. So the start module, when it's wired properly, the only thing it can send power to is the starter. So we don't have to worry about, you know, are we going to mess up some sensitive electronics somewhere? We're only sending that, that to the starter itself. And then the only connection to the rest of the system is just the isolator that allows us to pull power off the other batteries to recharge the Maxwell. So, no, it, it doesn't really change because it's a newer, more modern truck. Okay, great. Second question. And uh, is there a way now that I'm going to have this start module on there that I can uh, hook those cab, four cab batteries to add four more batteries to my APU? Yes. Yeah, you, you can. Understand? Yeah, I do. You, okay. you can. We can use all of our batteries for both purposes if we do this right. So we could be using what we call the house batteries. So that, that's the term we use in the coach. We have house batteries and we have uh, starter batteries. So we can right. wire our starter batteries to provide uh, amperage while we're using hotel loads. Now, the one thing we want to be careful of, and with the start module, it's not a big deal. In a system like that, you want to have some sort of shutoff that would shut those batteries off before they got too low to start the truck. But you don't have to worry about that. What you're going to do is you're only going to tie three of those batteries into the house batteries. The start module is always going to be separate. Well, yeah, actually four because okay. I, I've got an auxiliary oh, uh, got it. Okay. mount for that start module. Got it. Yeah. So, okay, so you're going to – yeah. And then the other thing we can do – is all eight batteries can be wired to provide power to the start module if you need. I see. Now, if, uh, if, I see. If, that might be if, a little more American, too. That, that, <laughs> I, I was about to say, if you can find a good RV mechanic to do this for you, they understand those, those issues much, much better than truck mechanics do. Okay. So, okay, for example, my, like my coach has got eight really, really big house batteries because I have no propane. I'm electric everything on that coach. I have eight giant house batteries. They're actually 
each battery is twice the size of the Group 31 that you've got in your truck. So these are big batteries, and I've got eight oh, of those. Then I have two more of those as my starter batteries. But I've also got it wired with, I've got a switch right next to the seat, the driver's seat. If I go to crank the truck up and my, my starter batteries are a little low, I just press a button and the voltage from my house batteries flow to the starter. Got it. Yeah, that's uh, a little more for me to wrap my head around, but I'm sure I could find somebody like you said. I think there's a I think there's a way that ties those APU batteries into the cab batteries now, but only in one direction. Whereas it would provide power one way, but not the other if needed. Right, and 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 uh, again, it, it can be done. So you've got eight batteries running the house, and eight batteries that could also feed the start module. And that start module doesn't need much. I mean, so th- that would be a, a really nice system where I can't imagine you ever needing a jump start. Right. And if I did, I pull a reefer and I got a 20-foot jumper <laughs> cable. So that's no problem there, either. There you go. So we have, we have plan B, C, and D covered. Well, and, and there, now there's also um, a socket like a plug socket, like like you would have a block heater or something on the side of that thing, you know, for winter. Yeah. And uh, and it says it says cab cab power. So I'm wondering if that's just I don't know for sure, but that may be a way to charge those uh, APU batteries separately. Oh, so um, uh, I don't. I mean, everything is doing that sounds. I was just going to say, it sounds like you've got shore power installed, which is really nice. Yeah. Th- this to well, me. I don't know. It's all motivated, brother. This setup that you're talking about is what I was saying 15 years ago. We should have had on trucks. I kept saying, why? Why aren't we adopting the RV model in trucks? where we have house batteries, we have starter batteries, we have shore power, we have solar. I mean, all of those things have been very, very common in the RV world, and they would they work really well in a truck. Your electrical setup is, is just about ideal as far as I'm concerned. Eight, eight batteries to power all this stuff, an electric APU, a start module. I, that's a damn good setup. Yeah, I, I thought so too, but I, I'm confused. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's a year 2017 model, so I I know the newer ones will even when the when the battery gets down low will start up automatically. The you know the engine will start automatically to keep it charged. I'm not sure I have that option on this one yet. I'm still learning. Yeah, um, the, and again, and again, uh, that's a very it. common thing in the in the RV world. Virtually every RV right. anymore, all the way down to the the sprinters they have uh, electrical management systems with their their generators so i can set it and customize it if my voltage drops to this start the generator to charge the batteries when it gets to this turn it off don't ever start it between midnight and six in the morning i mean it, it you can customize all of this stuff on rvs and trucks should be the same way I agree with you too. I, I, there's already a switch on the side, but there's a seat there. But I think that's just to shut the power off to the truck. 
Right. Yeah, it shuts off your um, whole 12 volts. So, so when you, and again, very common in the RV world because we park these things all the time and we don't want that draw. You know, uh, uh, there's all kinds of things that can pull off that 12-volt system even when the key's off. So if you park over the weekend, right. it's nice. Just shut off that switch and, and not worry about it. Gotcha. Now, now, pulling my own trailer, my own reefer again, I might go back to the thought I had years ago about uh, uh, putting a diesel uh, generator back there, hanging off the trailer somewhere and just plug it in, and I don't have to do any of this stuff. That, that's not yeah. a bad thing to have either. That's a nice backup. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I, uh, um, lot to think about. You know, it's the, the first thing I'm ever, it's the first time I'm ever going to put D- DEF in a truck. Oh, yeah. The the other way to go with your own trailer instead of a diesel generator is solar panels on the trailer and batteries. I don't don't know why we don't turn our trailers into big power stations. Total solar across the top and some some good batteries on the trailer. And then they can just plug that right into the side of the yeah. tractor when I shut her down into the, I mean, the yep. socket provided at my own short, it, short power exactly. source. Right. You become your own little yeah. power station. Okay. Lot to think about. Lot to think about. Thank you for your time, sir. I appreciate it. You know, I'll be getting more of these calls on Friday with this Volvo. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for the call. All right. I've got to wrap this up. I have got to head on out to uh, to the farm, um, hang out with the guys at Hezure, and uh, see what happens. Um, we'll report back next week, maybe. We'll see. Uh, all right, everybody have a great weekend. We will see you back here on Monday. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.